What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we wrap up our Advent series on the redemption of Scrooge. Each week we've explored how even Ebenezer Scrooge can be redeemed. And each step in this journey has involved visits from different ghosts. At first we saw his deceased partner, Jacob Marley, weighed down by money, dejected that he had failed to care for humanity in his time on earth. Next was the ghost of Christmas past where Scrooge saw himself as a boy. He saw how he was neglected and abused back then. But the worst was a self-inflicted wound when he was older. He rejected love from a woman and idolized money instead. It was there with the ghost that he saw the error of his ways. Last week was the Ghost of Christmas Present, where Scrooge saw both the poverty and the absolute joy of his employee, Bob Cratchit. We heard about Cratchit's son, Tiny Tim, who said God can use even his broken body to remind people of the one who heals the lame and binds up the broken. But Scrooge was grieved by the thought that if nothing changes, if he doesn't change and help others, Tiny Tim will die. He must be, uh, we must be people that will seek true joy, not in getting the temporary things that make us feel happy, but in helping others, making this world a better place for everyone. Like our Advent candles, we looked at hope, peace and joy today we explore the topic of love this is also a look at the final ghost in dickinson's novel christmas carol known as the ghost of christmas yet to come our scripture for today is going to be read by carol and it comes from luke chapter one which might feel just a little bit out of order the last two weeks we heard about john the baptist and now we go back just a bit and hear about his mother elizabeth who is currently pregnant with her son John, and uh, her niece Mary is also pregnant with a baby who will come to be known as Jesus the Christ. Mary set out to be with her aunt during the, her pregnancy and likely the birth, and these are the blessings they declare on their meeting. This is Luke chapter 1 verses 39 through 55. Hear now the word of the Lord. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to Judea, town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb, leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord and Mary said my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant surely from now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has known strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud of the th in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. 
he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he had made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And from Micah chapter five, verse two, but you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's join together in prayer. God, work in us that we might be an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. May we love others like you love us, and may we bless others like you bless us. Amen. Love is one of those things that you may not feel like you need a sermon on. Everyone agrees with love, right? Of course we should love others. But hearing a sermon on love doesn't mean we are following through on it, does it? I love my children very much, but I can think of more than a few times where I was not kind or loving to them. I love my wife so much, but I have not always treated her the way she deserves to be treated. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'm the one who needs the sermon on love, huh? Uh, but uh, my wife, Emily, and I, we've been taking classes this past week. We are licensed to be foster parents, and every few years we have to take a number of classes to maintain our license. So this week we took a class called the Nurtured Heart Approach to Parenting. In it, they shared with us a statistic that baffled us. They said a child, on average, hears 432 negative comments or words every day. Positive comments, however, come in at just 32 per day. Imagine that. All day long, it's negative, negative, negative. Hearing just a few positive words would be like a ray of sunshine breaking through. And consistent positive words, hundreds of positive words shared with you every day, that seems like an impossibility when we are surrounded by so much negativity. That's what we see with Ebenezer Scrooge. He's so negative. But that's true of the people around him, too. From his childhood, he was neglected and abused by his father. His sister died after giving birth. The woman he loved rejected him because she didn't like the direction his life was heading. Scrooge makes a little bit more sense when we see all that went wrong in his life. Now that doesn't justify his behavior, it doesn't make it right, and when the ghost of Christmas yet to come arrives, Scrooge is terrified. He senses gloom and judgment looming. Even his legs begin to tremble. He knows that the ghost's teachings will likely do him good, but he can't help but be so scared in the moment. So he follows the lead of this phantom covered in black. He sees on the street some businessmen that he recognizes. They are talking about someone who is dead and whether they will attend the funeral. They guess that it is likely to be a cheap funeral and say they won't go unless they serve lunch. Is there anyone here who would confess to making that a requirement, whether you would go to a funeral now? No, just me. Huh? I'm the only one that goes if lunch is served. Next, they are at a pawn shop and three people all meet at the same time. We learn that they have taken items from the dead man's home and plan to sell it for whatever amount of money they can get for it. Then Scrooge is taken by the, the ghost back to Cratchit's home. 
Tiny Tim has died and his father Bob is so sad. He is comforted by his family and by Scrooge's nephew. Scrooge doesn't understand though. This is not about him. Where is he in all of this? He's led to one final destination where he sees a grave and he knows immediately what this means. In fear, he looks at the tombstone and he sees that it is his own name that is on it. He is the dead man. He is the one that no one pities. And Scrooge knows that he has erred. He has missed out on what matters most in life. His life has had no love in it. There is no meaning or purpose because of that. No one cares about him because he has not poured love into others. He has let the negativity of his past conquer him, and so nothing positive ever comes out of his life. This is not the end of the story, but it is certainly the most dire moment. At death, there is no turning back, so he pleads with the ghost, is this the future that must be, or only the future that may be? The ghost does not answer, and he vows to honor Christmas, to live by the lessons he has learned. In agony, he prays that his fate may yet be reversed, and as he does so, the ghost of Christmas yet to be disappears. I can't help but think, what would it have been like if Scrooge had a different life? What would have happened if instead of being surrounded by negativity, he heard words of encouragement? What if people filled him with positive words? What if Scrooge had been loved well? In the class Emily and I took, we were challenged to follow through on three rules for parenting. One is to say no, to not reward a child's negative behavior with any time or attention. The second was to say yes to success. That means every time something is going good, I'm going to point it out. I'm going to encourage more of that. But it's more than just catching kids being good. It's a recognition that all of life is miraculous. And there is always something good to be celebrated in every circumstance. The final rule is to be clear, to set limits and stick to them, but always giving a pathway of forgiveness and reconciliation. That seems like a great basis to turn the tide against negativity and to let our love have a positive voice even beyond children. This is good for everyone. Love is not negativity. It is finding a way forward always and with everyone, even the Scrooges in our life. I have to say, though, there was one part of the training that kept rubbing me the wrong way. They referred over and over to building a child's inner wealth. Uh, because we were on a Zoom call, I would turn to Emily and mumble to her every time they said it during the training, spirituality? You mean spirituality? That's the word we've used for inner wealth for thousands of years. But I get it. It sounds too religious. A robust spirituality, though, is what helps us get through the trials. When things are tough, a person who has developed a strong spirituality is able to stay focused on the positive and keep loving people despite the struggles. That's what we want for our children and for others, and that's why we keep coming to church week after week. We are building our resources, our knowledge, our skills, our social networks, so that when things get tough, 
we have developed the ability to share love among us and with others. So in the scripture, when Mary, who would become the mother of Jesus, hears that her aunt is pregnant, she decides to go and visit with her. That's the start of the story from the end of Luke 1 we read today. But earlier in the chapter, there is something interesting that happens. Elizabeth is with her husband, Ananias, and they are getting older. They have no children, which is actually really bad for them back then. Children were like your retirement plan because they would make sure that you had a home and food and clothing no matter how old you got. But the big news is that Ananias is a priest and was picked to go into the temple and offer the incense. This is huge. This would only happen probably once in his entire life. And as he goes inside, getting ready to light the incense, this important moment in his life, he sees an angel. He's completely terrified, probably like how Scrooge felt when he saw the ghost of Christmas yet to come. But the angel speaks to him and tells him positive, encouraging words. He doesn't see his own tombstone. Instead, the angel says, don't be afraid. Your wife will have a son and you are to name him John. Ananias is confused by this. He knows that he and his wife are getting older. How can they have a child? So he asks, how can this happen? And the angel hears perhaps some negativity. The angel says, I'm Gabriel the archangel. I stand in God's presence and bring you this good news, and you doubt it? Because of that, you will be unable to speak until this thing happens. So as Ananias leaves the temple, everyone is wondering what happened. He can't talk. He's signaling and signing to them, and they realize he had a vision. But that's about all they know. I'm sure it got the people talking, but eventually everyone just goes home. Then Mary enters the picture. Gabriel gives Mary a similar message to the one he gave Ananias. She will give birth to a son and name him Jesus. But Mary, her response is a little different. On its surface, it seems the same. How can this be since I am a virgin? Ananias wanted to know how his wife would have a baby in old age, and Mary wants to know how she could have a baby if she is a virgin. Those seem like fair questions to us today, don't they? I can understand why they would ask these things. Uh, And some folks think maybe Mary's question is more faithful of a question. She isn't rejecting what the angel is saying, but is simply asking how it will happen. Mary usually gets a pass on her question, but I would argue that Ananias' question wasn't all that different. In fact, Ananias going mute actually increases the wonder of the miracle that he experiences, and I think that's an important point. Eventually, we find out, though, that after his child is born, Ananias insists that the baby's name be John, just like the angel told him it should be. He writes it down that his name shall be John, And as soon as that happens, he's able to speak. He begins to praise God and offer a prophecy about the wonder and mercy of God. And it's all pretty phenomenal and points to an incredible move of God. Then, as I mentioned, Mary hears that she too will have a child and that she is to name him Jesus. And that's when we get to the passage we read today. Mary has taken on a rather difficult journey. It sounds like she travels alone three or four days into the hill country where her aunt lives. There would have been bandits and thieves, 
but she goes anyways, which is pretty amazing in and of itself. And the moment she arrives at Elizabeth's home, the baby in Elizabeth's belly jumps. She knows this is a sign, and she recognizes that the baby in her is sensing the Holy Spirit. God is present with this woman, Mary, and the child that she carries inside her. Both have experienced a miracle in becoming pregnant, and now both are filled with the Holy Spirit. So Mary speaks out. She praises God, and we hear how God is merciful for generations and lifts up the lowly. The hungry are filled with goodness, and God remembers his people. This is the Magnificat, one of the oldest Christian hymns. Maybe you've heard it sung. There's a version by Bach that is playful and beautiful, and it feels as as it's sung as if you are being lifted closer and closer to God. Mary's words are words of faith and love. She praises God for the good that she sees. I don't know if you know this context, but these words of praise for God come at a time when things are very wrong in the world. The Roman Empire has a stranglehold on this small, poor nation of Israel. People can't practice their religion the way they know they are supposed to practice it because of the government and their actions. It has been literally hundreds of years since anyone has heard God speak through prophecy. Think about that. 400 years of silence from God. Mary and Elizabeth are essentially the first people to hear God speak for as far back as anyone can remember. Do they say, God, why did you wait so long? Why have you abandoned us for so long? No, they praise God and declare God's love for his people. They saw this opportunity and celebrated the good in it. I believe God calls us to something similar. Whenever we may find uh, things happening around us that are not the best, not ideal, whatever our circumstances, we are people that are meant to declare God's love. Uh, There was a mother who had two children and was just returning from a trip celebrating Christmas with family. It was exhausting in all the usual ways, but even more so because this year, this woman, Alana, was pregnant, very pregnant, pregnant to the point where she could have a baby at any moment. So returning from this trip was good, but it also meant that the kids were overstimulated from traveling on Christmas. Alana knew that's what it was. They were practicing the ancient art of sibling rivalry. Her daughter wanted space and her son wanted to push every button uh, on his sister that he could. As her son tries to leap from the coffee table to the couch, Alana is exhausted, parenting as best as she can from laying down. And she tells her son, don't bug your sister. Stop it now and, and no jumping as she gets down to her son's level, to look directly into his face to tell him to stop again, he beats her to it. He yells at her, stop. Now, she's mad. She feels like she's done every positive parenting step she can, and still, he's telling her to stop. But suddenly, a light bulb turns on. Her son is not doing anything different from what she is doing. 
he shouts stop exactly the same way that she shouts stop. If things are going to change, it has to start with her. So she sits her kids down and tells them she wants to put an end to everyone shouting stop, including her. If she shouts stop, her kids can remind her that they aren't doing that anymore. Now they're going to say yes as often as they can. And it works out beautifully. There's an instant change in the home. Part of it is science. It's hard to, for a child to understand stop and to know what to do instead. Uh, instead of calm down, she decides she's going to start saying, take a deep breath. We can work through this together. Instead of leave him alone, she's going to say, come over here and spend time with me. Instead of there is nothing to be upset about, she's going to say, I can see this is hard. Let's see if we can work through it together. It's a shift away from what is not being done to what can be done. That, I think, communicates love. It's Mary celebrating what God is doing, not bemoaning what didn't happen. It is the most direct form of love a parent can share with their child. Just think about a world where instead of the answer always being no, and we can't do that, and God, why won't you change this? It's yes, and we can find a way, and praise God. That's what Mary did. She said yes to God's love in an incredibly dark period in history. This is not just about the world being a nicer, friendlier place, although that's a pretty nice thing to have around Christmas time. This is about the ultimate plan of God, to share God's love with the whole world, that we might be at peace with one another and treat each other the way God would treat us. God has an unrelenting love for each of us, and he showed it in the birth of Jesus. God is here with us and will never abandon us. Whatever happens, God's love is with us through Jesus, no matter how dark the world may seem. One last story to wrap up. Uh, Ryan and Morgan are a couple that adopted a child from an orphanage in another country. They had passed through all the legal steps and were grateful to be done with it. Charlie was now their son. But right before the day they were to pick up their son from the orphanage, things changed. Because of political upheaval overseas, the country had frozen the process. No children were allowed to be adopted and leave the country. Charlie would not be coming to Ryan and Morgan. So they decided that they would go to him. They flew from the U.S. and camped outside of the orphanage. They spent half their day with their son and the other half of the day lobbying with courts and meeting government officials to try and get their son released. After a few weeks, Morgan flew home, but Ryan stayed. It was Christmas time, and he did not want to be in a foreign country away from his home, far from his family. But he loved his son, so he was there. He would stay and fight until a son was able to go home with him. That's a picture of God with us. He loves us. He is always with us. Whether we hear his voice or not, God is relentlessly positive in his view of us, always desiring the best for us and encouraging us to make things right with one another. You know, for Ryan, it took many more weeks before he was able to bring his adopted son, Charlie, home. For God, 
He never gives up. He will always love us and advocate for us. So now it's our turn to do that for one another. If we do, we'll be like Scrooge, not a crotchety old man who shouts bah humbug at anything to do with Christmas, but a man who is changed from the inside out as three ghosts remind him what it really means to love. When Scrooge woke up after the ghosts, he began to give away his money. He bought a huge Christmas turkey for Bob Cratchit. He forgave the debts of those who owed him money. He even gave Bob a raise and became like a second father to Tiny Tim. In the end, Tiny Tim would not die. He would live long because he was loved. That's what God's love does in us, and it's what our love can do for others. May we love this Christmas just as God has loved us in sending Jesus among us. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.